0: This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. The one thing I am going to do probably this week is all professional sports Uh, are welcome here for practicing and for playing now we're not going to necessarily have fans but there's been reports that major league soccer may want to have their season in orlando do it we want to have you here Uh, we want to have the basketball practicing again we would love to have the major league baseball and so what i would tell commissioners of leagues is if you have a team in an area where they just won't let them operate, we'll find a place for you here in the state of Florida uh, because we think it's important and we know that that it can be done safely. That's Governor DeSantis talking about sports in the state of Florida. Arizona's open for business. Florida's open for business. Obviously, the USC has done some business already here in Jacksonville. Saturday night, a fantastic card, and it went off pretty well. Tonight, another card. Talk about it in just a little bit. And also... Uh, Saturday will be a uh, fight card as well mm-hmm. at Vice Star Veterans Memorial Arena right here in Jacksonville. But there's a lot of conversation about NBA in Orlando and in Las Vegas. MLS talking about Orlando. Major League Baseball. They want to do the home stadiums, but will they still have to find some other outlets because some of the stadiums say in California or wherever else might not be suitable and ready to go? Uh, how will that plan look? And even if you get further down the road to the NFL, there has been some conversation like Las Vegas' new stadium could host a myriad of games mm-hmm. because of the L.A. teams and maybe even the San Francisco 49ers, so, uh, plus the Raiders uh, on top of that be really interesting but what is basically saying is give me your money and give <laughs> us the attention and bring yeah. it in i mean right or wrong that's what they're saying they're doing they're the, you know we asked the question and again we'll talk about it a little bit more in a bit who's going to be first to open the door to team sports we get UFC, we get uh the golf but what about team sports Who's going to be the first one to take that chance? Well, Florida and Arizona basically said we'll be the first one. Georgia was right up there, too. They're not saying, hey, come on in and and do your sports stuff here. But Florida and Arizona, open arms uh, right now. So uh, it's interesting. We'll see what happens. And I still don't know exactly how much of a moneymaker all that is. You know, USC, obviously Jacksonville's getting exposure. And they are getting uh, some money out of the deal for for lease to Mm -hmm. the arena. Uh, I don't. Without fans, though, you don't get the heads and beds. You don't get the the eating and you know the spending of dollars. So yeah. it's not like the economic boom you would think. It's something which you, is maybe better than nothing. You hope it leads to more down the road. That's
1: that's the main goal.
0: But the interesting thing about some of these others, like MLS and Major League NBA, it's not going to lead to. What can it lead to? That's different than USC. USC yeah, it could yeah. lead to something, but the others aren't oh. going to lead to anything. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, unless us say I'm going to go host a big event or a neutral site game at some point, but that could be in the works anyway.
1: I yeah, think it's more about
0: exposure. Uh, I think this, for anybody who works it's for visit Ford Florida. on the <laughs> map. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's know, putting Florida on the map. visit Jacksonville. Yeah. Um, but,
1: I mean, listen, uh, I can see Jacksonville. Because, yeah, I mean, you know, Jacksonville, I think it kind of gets a bad rap with the Miamis and the Orlandos and everything like that. Like, I think Jacksonville's kind of the third wheel sometimes. So I get from Jacksonville, but, like, I don't know. I kind of feel like Florida is a big tourist destination already. Like, do you you really need to bump up the the tourism and say, well, check out Florida. We got something new to offer with sports. I don't know. But just my opinion. how
0: about this? I mean, this is a one sport town in in a lot of respects. And I mean, that with all due respect to the other sports. But football is king and the Jags are king. And there's a lot of Gator fans and college football fans. But Mm -hmm. the Jags are king. Uh, NFL is king. And. What's interesting about it is if you bring other sports in, at least in the area or to some degree, whether it is just the practice facilities or training and an NBA team comes down or uh, hockey teams come Mm -hmm. down, college football, NFL, whatever it might be. You then kind of open, you almost make Jacksonville for at least a short time a, a multi-sport town. Sure. I, I don't know if that would resonate. I wonder if that would grow the sports brand in the city of Jacksonville or not, or if it would just kind of feel like this part-time thing, which it, which it is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I would probably lean more towards the, the part-time thing. Um, I always kind of picture Jacksonville as like a one, I mean, with all due respect to, you know, all the minor league teams here, but you know, it, it is a football city. Um, you know, it's weird to say, well, yeah, I think you bring an NBA team here, an MLB team here, especially with what you've seen in Tampa Bay and how it's worked for the Rays. So I think, listen, any press is good press at the end of the day, I guess. I mean, if you're talking about something, it's probably for the better. So I can see what, the, you know, the governor is trying to do here. Um, You know, I mean, obviously, it's it's world news right now. So, listen... You're taking a risk a little bit, in my opinion, right? Because whenever you're the first person out of the gate, there's going to be some risk behind it. But once again, I come from the standpoint of, oh, it's cool to open professional sports back up in Florida and say, all right, go back to work. But every other city has to be on the same page still to have a season, right? And then that's where we're at right now. So we'll see how it plays out.
0: Uh, Real quick before we get to Kevin uh, about USC. Uh, we asked the question in the last segment we were talking about Jalen Ramsey. We have a respect, repre- appreciate, like Ramsey. Can you see that happening down the road? Steven says, zero chance. Thanks for asking. Uh, Ray says, uh-uh, shake of the head. Uh, Barry says, uh, no. Um, What else we got? We got, why are we talking Rams players? <laughs> uh, uh, there is no chance, in heck, Ramsey ever matures enough to accept how he felt he was treated here. No chance. Uh, That is one. Uh, Appreciate the talent. Yes, respect or like. Heck no. And that's a dumb question. Uh, (laughs) Red Viking says that's a dumb question. Edward Nessler says, is this a serious question? No way in hell. No chance. And then we get political here. Yes. Jalen and Trump have similar personalities. Neither will ever admit a mistake. Just saying. You got me going on this one. Well, glad we got you going a little bit. Nice. But we ain't talking politics around here. All right, uh, let's uh, bring in Kevin. He wants to uh, talk a little bit UFC with our uh, analyst. (laughs) That's you. Yeah. Not me. Uh, Kevin, what's up, man? Thanks for uh, listening to Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. we got a fight tonight here in Jacksonville. Yes, sir. I want to touch on the fight this weekend real quick because it's frustrating to me to hear everybody
1: talk about Conor McGregor, Conor McGregor. Justin Gaethje versus Khabib is the fight. Justin Gaethje just earned that title fight for winning the interim type. This was a number one contender fight between Tony Ferguson, who should have already had a title shot, and Justin Gaethje, who just beat the guy who should have had a title shot. And people are talking about, well, Conor
0: McGregor, he should just slip in there because he's a a popular, and he'll bring in draws. I come from a wrestling background, and it's a tournament format. There's no politics involved. If you want to be the best, you work your way up the bracket, just meritocracy-based. And I'm sick of people talking about Conor McGregor. Oh, what you guys thoughts on that? Kevin, thanks, man. Appreciate Thank you, it. Uh, it. You know, and it, it does look like on Fight Island, right? It could be, it's going to be,
1: uh, uh, could be even uh Conor, I'm um, no, I well, thought it sounded No, it be cagey. Yeah, but Gagey. The, but but there's rumors that Conor McGregor wants to fight Khabib on Fight Island or something like that. I mean, they still Okay, will okay. go back and forth. Yeah, listen, uh Kevin, thanks for calling in, man. appreciate it. Um you're absolutely right, okay? And just by hearing you talk, you're you're an MMA purist, all right? You're a hardcore MMA fan, um a guy after my own heart. The problem is is that that kind of way of thinking has kind of died out, it seems like, the past couple of years in terms of how the UFC handles things, right? Conor is still the cash cow right now. And we see that with the interim championships, the interim belts. You saw what Justin Gage did when he got the interim belt. He threw it on the ground. Why? Because it didn't mean anything. But the UFC shoves the interim belts down someone's throat because, well, hey, it's for a championship fight. He's the interim champion. That doesn't really matter because, like you said, it's a bracket format. The, the champion should be fought and get the belt, and that's it. But now we're, we're combining the interim belts. We're combining sports entertainment with Conor McGregor. Um, and it's a problem. So I wholeheartedly agree with you. I think the fight to make, obviously, is Justin Gagey and Khabib. I talked about it a year ago where I said I think Justin Gagey, out of anybody in that weight division, will give Khabib the most problems. If you remember when Khabib fought a guy by the name of Ally Quinta on short notice, Ali um, Quinta lost a decision to Khabib. But you saw Ali Quinta be able to get off the jab a little bit and use his wrestling to counter-wrestle Khabib. Well, now take Justin Gagey and times that by five. Take Justin Gagey with a full fight camp and see what he does against Khabib. I think you have a special fight right there. So if I'm the UFC, that's the only fight to make in my opinion. That's what the hardcore MMA fans want. I think that's what the casual MMA fans even want because Gagey put on a performance against a Tony Ferguson who everyone was scared to fight. And you know what? And I don't care if Tony Ferguson didn't fight it like himself or whatever the reason was, but Justin Gagey put on a show, and that show deserves to fight for the belt. Now the question is, what do you do with Conor McGregor? Few, few topics here, a few options. You obviously have Nate Diaz three if you wanted to go there, but the be- the cool thing about that fight, Nate Diaz three, is that fight's always going to be there. It's not going anywhere. So take your time on that one. I think right now the only logical thing for Conor McGregor to do would probably be to fight – Maybe Tony Ferguson, obviously, he's going to be on the shelf for a while, so you can do Tony Ferguson, McGregor, um, possibly maybe like a Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor rematch, but I'll agree with you, man. I don't want to see Conor McGregor fight Khabib again because Justin Gage has definitely earned that shot.
0: Yeah, he, uh, I think a lot of people feel that way. We'll see if he gets it, but um, uh, I hope we, we see it. As well, I don't, yeah. I'm not a purist like you guys are in that sense, but I would think he's earned that right to be able to get it, yeah. uh, especially after that performance on Saturday night. So UFC is back tonight here in Jacksonville with a little less fanfare, if we're being honest. Is mm-hmm. that just because of the card? Uh, is it just, uh, yeah, I yeah, obviously, I mean, this is... you don't have the pay-per-view, you don't have the card, you don't have the hype of being the first time. Yeah. It just happened on Saturday. Yeah. So Jacksonville is kind of in the spotlight. It's a midweek event. Uh, and and it won't gain as much attention. But I'm not even sure n- this coming Saturdays will gain as much attention. That card was so good. You even yeah. said it's one of the best ones ever. Yep, and, uh, and it delivered. It, it, it'll be tough to back it up.
1: Yeah, I mean, so this is good to see that you have a couple things here at the UFC. You have UFC pay-per-views. You have UFC fight nights. Right now we're talking about a UFC fight night. So obviously people don't have to pay to watch You know, this whole card, which means that the card quality may be a little lower than UFC 249 was. So that's just the way it is. But as far as the card, card overall, Brent, we number one. One, it's sports again, right? So I still think they can ride some momentum in people watching, especially on a Wednesday night where if you're a wrestling fan, you got wrestling, but also – During the pandemic right now, not a lot to watch on TV, and it's going to be showcased on ESPN. So I assume the numbers should do pretty well. As far as the card's concerned, you know, if you break down the main card, once again, check your local listings, man, see what time those things pop up. But we talk about the main card, talk about a few fights here. You talk about the main event, Glover Teixeira, Anthony Smith. Okay, Glover Teixeira um, has literally, I guess, defied – Father time, okay? The guy's 40 years old, all right? And he's had his fair share of fights. He's 30 and 7. And for whatever reason, he seems to have found the fountain of youth, and he's still performing at a very, very high level. Taking on Anthony Smith. Anthony Smith, kind of like that underdog story. Start off a little shaky, put it all together, fought John Jones. Obviously, John Jones got the best of him um, in every single round, but Anthony Smith is still a killer. Ended up quote you could say retiring alexander gustafson we'll see if gustafson comes back but had a great showing against Gustafsson. um two strikers two guys that can also go to the ground if they want to but they're both dynamic they're both a uh very explosive dynamic coming in at 205 pounds a piece so that's gonna be the main event a very intriguing fight um anthony smith you know nine years younger you like his chances but you can never count out the old season vet in glover Teixeira. Co-main event, another interesting one between, and these are heavyweights. Brent, we got Ben Rothwell, Alvin Saint Preux. Alvin Saint Preux, former football player from University of Tennessee. Okay. First time fighting at heavyweight. Used to fight at two oh five, now moving up to the heavyweight division, didn't like cutting weight anymore. Thirty seven years old, which is a little older. I don't than like that, cutting weight either. Yeah, I know. I don't think anybody who does, man. Thirty-seven years old. Um, you know, not really on the back nine of his career, actually probably still in his prime, I would say. He's twenty four and thirteen, taking on Ben Rothwell from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm gonna save the trouble right now, Brent, because I don't get this text message probably around 9.30, 10 o'clock tonight, when Rothwell shows off his skill set. I don't want to get the text message that says, dude, is Ben Rothwell drunk right now? Because Ben Rothwell has one of the craziest styles you're ever going to see, especially from a heavyweight, okay? I talked about Dominic Cruz a little bit for UFC 249. Well, Ben Rothwell is right up there for crazy styles because he doesn't really have, like, But you think of a stance, right? Like you have your you have your power foot in the back, you have your other foot, you have your lead foot, right? And you're kind of angled. Ben Rothwell does not fight like that. Ben Rothwell nine times out of ten will fight with his feet square. Like, he, he doesn't have any stagger in his stance. Mm. So that means that he can throw from southpaw. He can throw from orthodox. It's a very weird style that he's perfected. Okay? And keep in mind, he he, he always makes the weight limit at 265. Taking on Ovin St. Preux is about 230 right now. So he has the distinct weight advantage. Ovin St. Preux has been known for a lot of his submissions. Uh, the, you know, that they call it the Von Flute choke, but they call it the Von Preux choke as well. Taking on Ben Rothwell, who's obviously 265. I'm curious to see if this fight stays stand or does St. Pru try to take him down, which is going to be a test in itself, obviously, against a big guy like Ben Rothwell. But be sure to check out Ben Rothwell's fighting stance because I don't know how he makes it work. He breaks every rule in the book in terms of striking. But it works for him. But he gets it done. <laughs> he gets it done. And yeah. Sometimes it's so
0: unorthodox. Exactly. It helps. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yep. So interesting. So uh, we'll we'll keep our eye on that tonight. ESPN Plus, uh, the place to be for the UFC fights, uh, live from Jacksonville here on a Wednesday card. And again, the second part of a three night event, really for the UFC in Jacksonville. The next one will come on uh, Saturday. How uh, real quick? is Saturday's card better? Is it? Is it? Got has it got a
1: headliner? Oh, yeah. So Saturday's card is Alistair Overeem versus Walt Harris. Um, actually, ESPN's going to run a story, I believe, on Friday about Walt Harris. Walt Harris, actually, his daughter was um, abducted hmm. probably about a year ago, and ended up, they found her body. So oh, um, right. they ended up catching the guy that did it. But he was going through that, and he actually, that was during a fight camp as well. He ended up backing out the fight, obviously, all that was going on. So this is like his first fight back from that whole situation. So ESPN, um, I think they have like an E60 thing uh, on Friday featuring him fighting Alistair Overeem, who's a pretty known guy in, in MMA.
0: All right, so we're watching this stuff on Saturday, yeah. uh, uh, the card from Jacksonville, and for a couple hours, and the kids are watching, and Steph's watching, and the question I keep getting after... uh. I see bloodied face after bloodied face or uncomfortable position after uncomfortable position. Yeah. Why? <laughs> It was like why I, I like, this question like, before. I, I know you had. It is not like this it was this unusual <laughs> question. It must no, be no, the most it's... popular question. Like you were afraid to ask the question a little bit to gauge you when we had him on. Why right? Why do you fight? Why yeah. do you fight? Because yeah. you, you guys get tired of those kind of questions. Of I think. Yeah. But I I do believe with the UFC kind of in town and and getting more eyeballs on it and I mean it does it does beg that question a lot. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like why. Mm-hmm. Because what's interesting too is you—if you've talked about it in the past—it's like not most of these guys aren't getting rich off this stuff. No, you know you can play the dangerous game of the NFL, mm-hmm. but you can get
1: rich off that now. Yeah, I sure, mean you make a lot of money. Yeah, well, and I was say there's a reason why NFL players don't transition to MMA, right? Because yeah. you don't make money and you get punched in the face. Yeah, and listen, I think uh, it's not my. <laughs> It's not what I would like to do is get punched in the face. Yeah.
0: I understand that we're all not alike in that regard, and that yeah. doesn't bother some people. Sure. Uh, you know, whether you, uh, it was a kid in high school that didn't mind getting fights or the guy you knew in college who would get in a fight every time he went to the bar yeah. and didn't mind being hit and, and all that stuff. Yeah. Some people are mad like that. Me, I kind of like my face, so I don't like <laughs> it, uh, getting hit like that. But um, I'm a lover, not a fighter. Hey, I've nothing wrong with that, before. man. Nothing wrong Can't, with that. I don't think I'm the first person to say that. But uh but the question of why does kind of – especially to the novice person, mm-hmm. the casual fan, the, the folks just checking it out, I'm just being honest with you. That's what everybody in my house has asked now a couple of times after seeing it. It's yeah. like – why? it's not that they don't appreciate it, they don't respect it. I think the toughness and all that, and and I know there's always a. It's like soccer, right? Mm-hmm. People are like what the heck? Soccer's boring. Well, mm-hmm. uh, not soccer, people. Soccer is not boring. Soccer mm-hmm. is a, is is a beautiful part about it. called call the beautiful game, of course, right? So there's always that. There's a sweet science, if you will, One, to boxing. I to USC, yeah. yeah, yeah. There is a science to it as well. The different different styles. So I, I guess I get that.
1: But the why is still a palpable question. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, listen, I can take this question a lot of ways here. And I'll start by saying this because Joe Rogan um, eloquently put it like this. In terms of mixed martial arts and stepping in a cage and fighting another man who has been training to beat you up, to knock you out, to inflict pain on you. The sport of MMA is the ultimate problems, problem solving game with dire consequences. Okay, that's what it is like. Say like you you like solving problems. Maybe you like doing Sudoku puzzles. All right. Okay. Okay. well, when a guy gets in a cage, he's also solving a problem. Right. He's trying to figure out what is my opponent trying to do? What do I need to do to inflict the most hurt and damage on him and things like that? So it's a game. Okay. Now I get what you're saying. Well, Austin, I, I watched UFC two forty nine, um, you know, this last Saturday, I saw Tony Ferguson get absolutely bloody to a pulp. Okay? It was gory. It was it was, it was a blood sport, it was human cockfighting, you know, all these terms. And I say you you like imagination. Okay, because I watched that fight. I watched that Tony Ferguson fight, Justin Gagey fight, and you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to go to the gym that night, man. Like I was pumped up. I'm like, that was awesome. Like that's why I do it. It's fights like that. You know, it, it's glorious fights. And yeah, is Tony Ferguson probably hurting the next day? You better believe it. Is he in JOI right now, man? Probably <laughs> strapped up to the morphine or something like that. Probably, but people don't realize that you aren't made of glass. And what people don't realize is that the, the human body can take a lot of punishment, especially when there's adrenaline th- flowing through it. Now, people don't want to put themselves in those kind of situations to find out, and that's fine, man. That's their prerogative. But when there's fighters in that cage, or when there's fighters in a gym that are sparring and you know taking damage and inflicting damage, you don't notice it, man. Okay, I, I'm like, listen, I, I broke my nose, I broke my hand in a fight, I broke my foot. Didn't know it until I, until I walked away. Did, didn't know it until it was over. And then I'm like, all right, well, I'm gonna eat some Advil, gonna eat some Tylenol after this. But when you're in there, when you're focused, when that adrenaline's flowing, man, um, it's just it's a crazy feeling and. I wish I could put it into words. I wish I could bottle it and sell it. But the feeling that you get when you're walking out to a cage in front of people at Mavericks or somebody, you know, at the landing it used to be, 200 people at Mavericks, or you're walking out, you know, when I was in the at the bomb factory, that feeling that you get where you walk out to the cage and you're just laser focused on a goal, a singular goal, and you hear that cage lock, and you know the guy across from you is trying everything in his power to come knock you out and embarrass you. And when you win and when you all that hard work, you know, and you win, there is no feeling like that in the entire world. Not any football game I've ever been a part of, not playing in front of 70, 80, screaming thousand, you know, 70,000 home fans screaming your name. Nothing like that. Nothing will ever compare to just the art form, just the, you know, the, the beautiful violence, which is MMA. In my opinion. I can appreciate
0: it. Yeah, I, I, It's a good explanation. I, yeah. I get it. Listen, I kind of get it. I mean, listen, I hurt my foot on the 13th hole <laughs> the other day, walked off with the 79, and I felt like it, I had earned it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I hear you, man. Yeah. I mean, I get
0: yeah. it.
1: I, I mean, get to it. Tony Ferguson, Brent Marnell, same category. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. Uh,
0: but I, I do appreciate that people that that part of it. Now, to that, I kind of say, again, because we're not relatable in the sense you're... you're what I want to say is drop button
1: crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Um, but I, like you, you see it in the way you speak about it, yeah. or when you have someone like Gagey on talking about mm-hmm. it. What's interesting though is I sense like he said you asked for for the glory. Yeah. You know when you think glory, I think Rocky. You know, I think, like, uh, everybody talking about you, big paychecks, uh, belts, Conor McGregor. Of course. Of course. But I get the sense more it's guys, the glory kind of within, more so than that external glory of of accomplishment. Uh, More of that sense when you... Like, I changed the filters on my CGC water Kinetico system yesterday, and (laughs) it actually did it, and it worked. Yeah, yeah, Like, that kind of accomplishment. Exactly. Because I can't change a light bulb hardly, but I did it. (laughs) So, I mean, we're talking two different things here, but I'm talking accomplishment to that. that, And and you're talking about one of the toughest accomplishments that you could put your mind and body through in in this sense of MMA.
1: Yeah, you know, and it's definitely about, you know, and it's it's so... um, You know, I mean, it's so cliche to say, but it it really is about the destination okay and you know we had justin gage on and justin gage has been quoted many times one could say justin gage right now is the baddest man on the planet okay but justin Gagey has said many times that when he walks to the cage he's scared he's scared for his life man and if any fighter tells you there's not a sense of maybe you're scared a little bit well guess what that, that fighter's lying because every fighter has that anxiety every fighter you know the night before a fight they can't sleep they did toss and turn because they know what's about to happen but like it's that like uncomfortability that you just you relish like you, you can't get enough of it you you know, like I think a lot of time people get complacent and people get to feel, you know, the adversity or, or stress and they just get so complacent where you don't grow as a human, you know, like that's what makes Justin Gage so great is he understands that like Justin Gage, Yeah, he's fighting for a championship eventually. He's making a lot of money. He's getting all these fight the night bonuses, but it's his self growth that, that he's all about. And that's why I'm in it, too, as well. Like, yeah, do I want to win a belt one day and go to the UFC? You bet your ass I do. But I've learned more. You know, in MMA now for the past three or four years and I have playing team sports probably my entire life, okay? And I'm willing to sacrifice my well-being and my personal health to maybe take off a couple years of my later years just so I can improve myself right now where I stand. And then that's just my opinion. Now, not everyone's going to agree with that, and that's fine. But that's just how I – um Live my life. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. good. Well said, and uh, I'd be more uh, willing to
0: do that if you gave me like a couple million dollars, <laughs> so I could spend it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I got a question. I, we got to go to a break. So when yeah. we come back, I asked this question on social media. Uh, I wonder what people think, but we we'll really get your thoughts because you've done both, mm-hmm. and which one is more violent? Mm-hmm. We see the brokital, broken orbital bone. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, we see that bloodied up face. Uh, hand-to-face, foot-to-face, <laughs> knee-to-face, yeah. elbow-to-face, oh, yeah. knocks in the head, but which is more dangerous? Uh, which is more violent, really? Uh, and, and maybe maybe dangerous to the, to the human body. Yeah. You've played two of the most dangerous things you can do, violent <laughs> things you can do, that yeah. is in the NFL and now MMA. Uh, I'd like to get your perspective on that. Uh, and then a couple more thoughts on where we are with this pandemic with MLB, NBA, who's going to be the first to make the leap, and also Scott Boris' uh, world, which is Major League Baseball, uh, how he impacts that. So a couple things to get to in the last segment here on a Wednesday, Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. We'll fight right to the end. Bird <laughs> by horn, drives around
1: Now there's a steal by Bird. Underneath the DJ and he's Right up, one second left. Oh, play by Byrd. Byrd stole the it up to DJ. DJ, lay it up to him. Oh, God, he just got goosebumps. Could you imagine the call this past season with Larry Bird riding the pine <laughs> as the Toronto Raptors won the NBA championship because his game doesn't translate well to the modern era NBA? Oh, Hey, I got goosebumps, Brent. I got goosebumps. I just got goosebumps,
0: Johnny Most. What a great play! Gosh, I can do very few plays. I'm not. Uh, I don't have too many plays that I remember. Like almost every image of that is one. I don't know if it's Six because hours. I've seen it so many replays of it now, or it was just that vivid in my memory bank. Heck, I was only uh, must have been like nine years old at that time. I think that would have been during that season, mm. I and mean, maybe a little later than than. That year. But uh anyway, Larry 87? Bird. It was eighty seven, so I was thinking eighty six, so I would have been ten.
1: What what uh what month? Obviously in the summertime or conference finals. I don't June. know when they would have done it was that. In June. June. Yeah, I wasn't yeah, born yet. there, June. I guess. Yeah, I wasn't born yet. Couldn't appreciate it. Sorry. <laughs> yes, he can Maybe Sorry. you should go back Couldn't and watch a little it. more small town
0: Larry Bird highlights. Listen, all right. I sent oh, it on John Twitter, Cougar, man.
1: You, you, you take me in a in a in a highlight video Larry Bird play with his opposite hand, showboating boating, hot dogging. By the way, so what did he
0: score that night with his opposite hand? Said I'm gonna play lefty the
1: whole time. Yeah, scored
0: like 47.
1: And What did I say? Can you imagine trying to pedal sneakers where you had to play with your opposite <laughs> hand because you can't dunk a basketball to try to sell shoes? So you have to come out. That would that, be like LeBron James saying, well, you know what? I can't talk about basketball. Um, I'm not that athletic. So tonight I'm playing left-handed, and I'm hopefully going to sell some LeBrons um, from Nike. <laughs> hopefully that works out because i got to set my game up a little can't well. wait for an NBA yeah. player to start uh, saying these shoes are great when you have to take like a rest day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Load management shoes. <laughs> oh, these right. he are my load management shoes. You should sell flip-flops. Yep. <laughs> load management perfect. shoes. You I mean, can call them load, the load management twos. <laughs> but let's be honest, though. I mean, and I, I hate to pile on your boy, but here we are again. Is there any worse, I guess, endorsement from an NBA superstar than a Larry Bird where it's like, he could have shot three-pointers in Timberlands. It would have been fine. Like, wh- what was the big deal about Converse? And Converse said that, hey, Michael Jordan, thanks for stopping by, but we're all set. We got Magic Johnson. We got Larry Bird. We don't need you. Like, what sold shoes MJ was the fact that, yeah, he was a great player, obviously, but the guy could dunk, man. Like, the, the, the guy did things that he never saw before. Curry sh- sell shoes. He doesn't really dunk. Yeah, but does, does Curry sell, sell shoes, though? I like Like, so. with, with like LeBron? Hammer? But it's not LeBron, though, man. No, there's not LeBron, but... I mean, he still shows. shows I mean, let's, shoes. Uh, let's let's look it up. With I'm, it. Gonna t- I'm gonna get sells. you.
0: I'm getting you a pair of the 1986 Converse weapons. Oh, dude, I, I have them already.
1: I'm mom's house. You already have Larry uh, Bird yeah. shoes. Oh, they're not. They're not. They're actually blue, so they're not Larry Bird shoes. Well, so those, those are not called, Larry were, Bird's. Well, they they're they're just were Larry a Bird's color. pro model. You are they, they were, shoes. Hey, he's got Larry Bird shoes. The way he's got Jeez. The last time I checked, they were called the Converse Birds. Okay, they're called the Converse Weapons. Okay, so nineteen eighty-six Converse Weapons. no yeah, Bird, exactly. Baby. No, they're not the Larry Bird's anything. He's a closet Larry Bird. Larry Bird fan. wasn't that good to Just have his didn't own want sneaker. To agree with Larry it. Bird wasn't good to have his own sneaker. He had to go with the Converse Weapon. Couldn't call it the Converse Bird because <laughs> you weren't good enough. Because you couldn't sell the shoes. Oh man,
0: he's turning Larry Bird into the most underrated player of all time. <laughs> The ESPN uh, came out with their list of players, and um, Tim Duncan, Kobe Bryant behind Larry Bird, I think it was. Tim yeah. Duncan ahead of Kobe Bryant. Mm. I, I was a little surprised to see it because I thought in a lot of these modern-day lists, mm. and especially given this past year, I thought I was a little surprised to see Duncan ahead of Bryant. I think I saw that correctly. I think it was Duncan ahead of Bryant. And
1: uh to be honest with you, I was even a little surprised to see Burr yeah, yeah. ahead of Brian. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, Kuz, real quick, this, this past season, uh, Kyrie Irving sold more shoes than Steph Curry, so... <laughs> now, anyways, well, getting... yeah, he's... Kyrie the whole Irving? Season. Yeah,
0: he's got plenty of time to sell them
1: Kyrie Irving, though? Well, yeah, the Kyries, those are more popular anyway, but I would say... Curry literally, like, dropped off the face of the earth because of the injury. I mean, I uh, Brent's trying to make a strong point here. I'm all concerned about shoes. We'll get into that in a second. All right, let's go back to Brent's <laughs> point here. Okay, so in terms of where do you put Kobe, you know, and where do you put Tim Duncan? See, here's the thing. Like, if you're asking about the top of my head... Obviously, I'm saying Kobe, man. Like, I, I mean, I don't know the, the numbers on top, man. I don't know I mean, the, ch- I mean, championships. I think Kobe's got him beat, right? You'd think.
0: Uh, I think he does, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, like all star appearances, all that stuff, the points per game, whatever. But like, if you just sit here, who's the better player, dude? I'm going Kobe all day. It's Kobe Bryant. It's the Mamba mentality. But what hurts Tim Duncan? that conversation was is Tim Duncan was Mr. Fundamental, all right? Like, boring. He, yeah, he was never really that entertaining to watch. The so the guy still got the job done, but. To put Tim Duncan ahead of Kobe Bryant, man, is pretty ballsy. I think.
0: Yeah, it's it's. uh, I don't think many people would say that, but Mm -hmm. I think if you then dissect the numbers in the game, the accomplishments, it it might add up okay. Yeah. Uh, but you know they they were going to move some people around and make it a little controversial anyway. You figured, and Kobe will automatically get extra love uh, right about these these days. So you know, given given what happened, uh, here in twenty twenty. All right, uh, we got a few minutes left in the show and, and a lot to get to. We were talking USC. One final thought there. UFC or NFL, more violent, more dangerous? You played them both.
1: Yeah. Um, so, like, yeah, both are violent, right? But when when you say, like, which one's more violent, I think of, like, which one takes more of a toll on your body. And that's fair enough. Okay. Okay. That, you've yeah. done it, so yeah. that's yeah. a good so, way to define so it. So that's how I'm going to define it. And if you ask me that question and to answer it truthfully... I'm saying NFL all day is a lot more violent and a lot more taxing. And, and that could be surprising, you know, to, to a lot of people. But the way I look at it is it like, yeah, an NFL game, I mean, yeah, you take damage and everything, but what, where you, where you do the damage is in practice and during training camp. All right. Cause I, I compare it like this. In MMA, if you're in a training camp, you maybe spar hard once or twice a week. The rest of that, it's skill work. You do some grappling, but the risk of injury, um, when you walk out of the gym, you're in a pretty good headspace. Okay. I remember my rookie year in the NFL where I'd be in training camp, I'd get down with practice, I'd go to the locker room, and I have the biggest headache of all time. And I have the headache when I'm sleeping, and so I just chase it down with some ibuprofen, wake up the next morning. Cool, headache's still there. And I have a uh, headache yeah. for like three straight weeks. Okay, now is that healthy? Probably not. No, might be called the concussion. Yeah, but what are we going to do? You're going to say, I have a headache, I can't practice today? No, it's just... And listen, that's another debate for another time of how those things should be handled. But all I'm saying is... I took a lot more wear and tear in my body playing football than I will probably ever have in MMA. And keep in mind, I've I've broken my uh, my toe, I've broken my hand, I've broken my nose, I've had you know numerous injuries, but nothing compares to the way that I've you know I used to feel during training camp, where I just felt like I'm dude, I'm literally just going through the motions right now. Like I'm just trying to make it through another day. I've never had that feeling one time in MMA. So to answer your question, football.
0: Here's you just brought up something really interesting to finish off this point. Is you said, what are you going to tell somebody you have a headache? Mm-hmm. Well, that's because you have to tell somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, you have teammates, you have coaches, you have trainers, you have uh, this almost like the responsibility to the fans in, in in essence. I'm not saying you don't have some of those responsibilities, but you have less of the pressure of those responsibilities. I think on you maybe in MMA because it's considered an individual sport. I know it's your camp, yeah. But if you do have a headache. Mm-hmm. Or something like that, and you now have it for two or three days. Yeah. In MMA, you could say, "Hey, listen, I ain't sparring today." Of course, now, we got a workout in and all this stuff, but yep. I ain't sparring. Oh, today. Oh, and, and that, that happens all the time, bro. You know, but you can't really say, "Hey, I'm out of this drill today in practice," or "I'm not playing on Sunday in a in especially, football." Especially,
1: when we're trying to make a team. Like yeah. with MMA fighting, you're always going to have fights. Okay, and, and and as long as you have that communication with your coaches. You're always going to be put in the best stages to to succeed, right? If you have a headache, all right, man, sit out today. Maybe went sparring a little too hard yesterday. Let's go ahead and sit out. Let's just do some light stuff and make sure you get back to 100%. Football? Are you kidding me? I have a headache? you Are going to report a headache? No, because you know why? You get out the little pen, get out the little clipboard, and you say, ah, all right, well, concussion symptoms, and that goes on your record. And you know what? And if you're trying to find a new team and you're on kind of the outside looking in, think team's going to bring you in? No, absolutely not. So you suck it up, you chase the headaches down with whatever pain pill you can find, and you go to work. And then that that just, it it is what it is. Now, maybe the game has changed in the six or seven years since I've been in a locker room, but I'll be honest with you, I kind of doubt it.
0: Yeah, I doubt it too. Uh, Interesting point uh, Mm -hmm. when it comes to... Uh, the similarities and differences on the toll of the body, at least, in the NFL and the MMA. Okay, we're going to really switch and, and hit on a couple topics before the end of the show, just to wrap things up. We started the show today talking a lot about the pandemic and where sports is, and I just admittedly said I feel worse about sports firing back up on all cylinders mm-hmm. than I did even last week or two weeks ago. I don't know exactly why that is. I just – whether I'm reading more about it <laughs> or I, I just – There's not the NFL schedule coming out to tell me now that a season's starting or USC is coming to Jacksonville. So I feel like things are opening. But listen, if Florida here, the doors are opening, whether it's to pro sports like Governor DeSantis said today, come on in. You can practice and and play if if the time is right uh, to, you know, life is getting a little bit back to normal if you want it to Mm -hmm. here in Jacksonville and the state of Florida. That's not across the country. But I still feel a little bit differently the last day or two about the NBA, Major League Baseball, and even NFL, and especially college sports, the entire landscape, but especially college football, firing back up. I don't know what's changed my opinion so much, uh, but I'm like an eternal optimist that all of a sudden in the last 36 hours has a little pessimism to
1: him when it comes to this. Yeah, I think someone had a little Zoom call with our friend Donald Trump and does we'll <laughs> not want to admit it. And that and that's fine. And that's <laughs> fine. That's your prerogative. You don't have to say that you and Donald Trump are boys. That's okay. I'll take it from here, Brent. Listen, I think we share the same, you know, I don't want to say gloomy skies here, but I think we share the same mindset from when we say no one's on the same page right now. Right? Like, great. Florida opened up. Fantastic. Good. Arizona's going to open up. But... I think we need the entire country to be on the same page to make this thing work. You just can't have one person doing their own thing over here, another person doing the exact opposite over there. Like, Things don't get done that way. Things don't get done in business. Things don't get done in a locker room. And things don't get done in a country, I think, if that's the way it's going to be. So until everyone's going to be on the same page of how we're going to go forward, I just can't foresee it happening. Once again, just my opinion, but I think um, it holds some ground. Well, you uh, asked yesterday, I asked, is Scott Boris
0: bad for baseball? Speaking of baseball starting up, and they're in negotiations right now. That's the latest. You know, there's a plan, but they haven't really talked money. And once they talk money, I feel like Scott Boris will be a big part of it because he's kind of the money guy for the players on so many levels. And the players are going to be asked to take less money in this 50 50 revenue split given no fans uh, in 2020. They haven't got to that part. They could say it could take two to three weeks for negotiations of whatever will take place and that's if it takes place Mm -hmm. here in 2020. I said yesterday, briefly, and then I looked it up a little bit more today and read about it, and, and I kind of feel a little differently on this. So I say, is Scott Boras bad for baseball? Well, at face value, I would say, come on, the contracts have ballooned. He's got all the chess pieces, all the big names. They're all coming to him, so he knows where this guy's going. And, and I'm not saying he uses a player for a pawn in his game, but he could if he wants to. <laughs> and he has a lot of power mm-hmm. as an agent. Uh, and I feel like sometimes that's a little too much. It, it feels almost... Uh, totalitarian, if you will, yeah. uh, on the agent side. Nice word, by the uh, way. Thank you. I was trying to spit that one out. That's got a big it. Scrabble word for the day. <laughs> uh, but I read a little bit more about it, and it, it actually is maybe better serve the question you asked yesterday when we brought this up. Is it really the organization's fault? Is it the Yankees' fault? Maybe the Red Sox for paying those kind of dollars. The Dodgers, Mm -hmm. Texas Rangers for giving Alex Rodriguez $250 Boris's job is to get the guys as much money as he can and to favor the players as much as he can. Mm -hmm. These are billionaires and millionaires, and they just want a piece of the pie no different than the NFL players who we've said, you know what, they maybe do deserve a little bit more piece of the pie. So I guess I've backed off on my dislike so much for Boris, although I do think in this time frame, he... I don't really need the, the that player-owner juxtaposition. They need to do whatever's best for the sport. Sure. They kind of have to – this is one time frame, this, this bit, where baseball can't afford a black eye. If you're a baseball fan, it can't afford a black eye. And so do whatever you got to do behind closed doors. Argue, if you will. But in the public – I really don't need Boris saying, hey, screw the owners and the players should get all this. And yeah. I don't think that's
1: the time for it on in, in this front. Yeah. So to answer your question, it Scott Boris bad for baseball. And I go from the classic standpoint of donate the player, hit the game. All right. We're all products of our own environment and the environment that Scott Boris has come from, the environment was set up to make the most money. OK, and since I was a kid, it was ingrained in me that the New York Yankees suck. The New York Yankees suck. The Milwaukee Brewers will never win because we don't have enough money. The New York Yankees buy all their championships. That was my childhood. In a nutshell, okay? People in Wisconsin, they hated the, the New York Yankees. I think everybody in every single state besides New York hated the New York Yankees. So that was always ingrained um, in me, okay? And it was that big market baseball. So do I hate Scott Boris or do I think he's ruining the, the baseball game because of what he brings to the table? Absolutely not. Because this goes way before Scott Boris, okay? Um one could say that baseball, they have a money problem, okay? But Scott Boris, he is not the virus that causes it. He's just the guy that tries to make the best of the situation. So I think that the game, or I think the problem lies more with how the game has been handled more than Scott Boris.
0: Yeah, I, I again, I, I think this is an unusual circumstance, but you got to remember now, go back a couple years ago. And Boris has a ton of these guys out there, and Bryce Harper and all these guys. And remember, they were like two weeks into training camp or two weeks from uh, spring training, mm-hmm. and nobody was signed. Mm-hmm. And all these free agents that were still signed, it was basically Major League Baseball was digging their heels in. I think they have their uh, the the latest uh, CBA is expired in 2021, mm-hmm. so this could be a huge, huge play or whatever happens over the next three months, six months, twelve months into 2021. Uh, I think I read that correctly, so. Boris is such a key player of this. Again, this is less about Boris right now, less about the players, less about the owners. It's more about baseball. Do what's best for baseball. Just get on the field and do it in the right way. Hopefully everybody gets a little bit piece of the pie. But like I said yesterday, that pizza is smaller than it's ever been
1: uh, in that respect. And listen, this just comes back to my thesis that I've been preaching all day. They just... We have to get on the same page here. And I get it. It's not easy, man. All right? it's, it's not easy because people want different things. Not in this climate. There's not a lot in this of red, red state,
0: blue state lineup, and, and, and that's not going you know away.
1: It's almost impossible. Let's be honest. It's almost impossible to get on the same page right now. But I truly think that if you want the longevity of professional sports to last in this climate, you need that, man. All right? There has to be some kind of compromise or some kind of you know come-to-Jesus moment, whatever it is. But like people have to get back on the same page.
0: Well, let's end with this. We'll do a little bit more on the college sports uh, angle tomorrow that I want to dive into. We did earlier in the show uh some as well but i want to finish today with who will be the first team sport to jump back in Mm -hmm. major league baseball nba or will football play before both of them because there's a thought here that i think if we have a football season Mm -hmm. people will feel like okay life's somewhat normal yeah i might be overvaluing football um Maybe in all parts of the country it's not like that, mm-hmm. but it's, especially with the NFL. It's like, okay, if we have the NFL, then it feels like life is normal. If we don't, it's like, whoa. Well, I think so. that could so. impact everything. But, well, but yeah. It impacts our world. I'm trying to take it outside of our our world and say, okay, does my mom feel the same way? Uh, probably well, not. Well, I mean, I'm sure but, my
1: wife would be stoked because, you know, I don't have to watch the NFL Red Zone anymore or anything like that. No more fantasy football. So she'd I'm, be pretty excited. Is it a fair barometer to say that? I mean, if
0: we have football, do we feel better? Correct. About where we are with the pandemic, economically, our jobs, society, anything. I mean, Listen, is, is it is, is that
1: true? No, no, you're absolutely right. We're creatures of habit, okay? And, like, the football season, it's always been there. And people turn to football to, you know, take their mind off, whatever, their jobs, their family, whatever it is. But people turn to football for entertainment and to just, you know, have something to believe in, something to support. You take that away. I mean, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Mean, it's going to be an issue. So, do you think football beats baseball or
0: NBA back, or is it the NBA or MLB that kind of sets the trend? Who's going to be first to dip the
1: toe in the team sport? pond so i think mlb probably has the best shot of coming back because right now with nba yeah, yeah you're talking playoffs right now right you're probably talking the, the end of the season the playoffs or anything like that with mlb there's still a lot of season to salvage and don't forget this all started with the nba in the first place okay the nba was at the forefront of saying let's cancel all this stuff down yeah, let's shut of, it down guys so to say cause and effect there they had players that well, tested positive yeah yeah so i think it's going to be mlb
0: yeah, I think the timeline adds up to MLB. I think the question is, does it get muddy and they can't get it done by July 4th? And if they can't get it done by July 4th, well, then you run out of time for a season. Mm-hmm. Then it might just be better to scrap the season if you can't get things going until mid-August. And what kind of season could you have? Well, then that would bring in the NBA who says, hey, we could go all the way to Labor Day if we need to before we, we get this thing rolling. Yeah. And then the NFL, do they go off on time? Well, Whee! start getting your knowledge of esports, Brent. Video game playing is up. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? Just came out with a new one on his 52nd birthday. Tell your about, Tell my Tony Hawk. Tony Hawk. Tell my yeah. dude Tony Hawk. Yeah. I
1: see you, Brent. See that? I see you, Brent. We're all playing video games now. Whoa. Well, uh, That's a change for me, Coos. Three-hour
0: video game tomorrow on Action Toy? Sports Jackson on ESPN <laughs> 6 nine. It'd be a hell of a show. I'll see you on TV tonight, down. CBS forty-seven and Fox thirty. Thanks for hanging with us, everybody.